We're doing our series on what, if you grew up in church, you knew as the Beatitudes. Um, so if you grew up knowing them as the Beatitudes, then we'll, we'll use that name. If you need a better name, you can pick one because they weren't ever really named officially. Um, so you can call them the Great Eight. Um, you can call them the Elite Eight. You can call them the Hidden Steps to Happiness. You can call them whatever you need to. But here's what I was thinking about. What if we put as much emphasis on these as people have on the Ten Commandments? In fact, what if, since Jesus, they're credited to Jesus, what if we put more emphasis? Just, just food for thought, all right? Uh, don't, don't throw anything. Food for thought. And these are attributed to Jesus. So here's one way of thinking of it. Maybe the, the, the Ten Commandments... Um, Okay, everybody relax. Everybody, come here. Ready? All right. Some of you just got all worked up there, all right? Um, Jesus broke one of the Ten Commandments. You know that, right? Okay, so in case you're wondering. Um, they get us, those types of things get us through a first part of life. Um, commandments, laws, rules, dogma. You know, you're, do this or else. Anybody? Use this with your children. Right? Or your dog or something. It just gets you a certain place. And it's more care it's more stick. And Jesus comes along and the Beatitudes are more carrot. If I could just oversimplify it. It's a different uh, it's a different approach completely. And Matthew's presenting Jesus as sort of the new Moses, if you will, in the Sermon on the Mount. And he's coming in to kind of give him a new way or a new thing. And so here's what I was thinking. If we're going to just let these marinate, all right? You watch the video every week. You're going you're gonna to watch them on video, the, the, the eight Beatitudes. And I want them to marinate. I just want them to sit in your soul a little bit. Um, blessed are the poor in spirit. Happy are those that mourn. Right? Blessed are the meek. And these are different ways of thinking. And when Jesus taught them, they were different. And to be truthful, they're different today. And so we're going to go through these. And I think if we do, and we let them marinate... It can help us do a couple things. It'll help us um, race less in life. How many always feel like you're in a race? Like, I'm always, I got to get here, and I got to get here, and then I got to get here, and I got to get this done, and then I got to beat this guy to the light, and, you know, everything feels, doesn't it? I got to beat this person in the grocery line. Uh, everything feels like a race. And, uh, and let us rest more. Enjoy life more. Can I say this? Experience life more. Actually be there for the experience of life. And I think the other thing that if we let, them, let these beatitudes really, really sit inside of us, it would help us to judge less and journey more. What's judge? I see somebody, I see something, I have to judge it. I have to label it right now. This guy's in, this guy's out. This team is right, this team is wrong. This philosophy is good, this philosophy is bad. Instead, I don't need to judge it. I just journey. I just, on my journey, I know that person's on a journey. I, has anybody ever changed your journey course a bit? Too? So if, if, that, if you did, they might too, right? And just, it just lets you say, you know, we're on a journey together.
Judge less, journey more. Let's say it together. Ready? Judge less, journey more. Wouldn't that be great? It'd be great. You could judge yourself less. You could judge others less. And you could journey. You just say, this is, this is taking me somewhere. Now, as we read these, this is really important. Um, poor in spirit. Um, blessed are those that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Let's just be honest. These are not the kind of things that you, like, I don't know what Anthony teaches teenagers about this. This would be a tough one for teenagers. Aspire to mourn, right? Aspire to be poor in spirit. So this I want to just teach for a second, and then we're going to go into today's beatitude. I don't look at the beatitudes as something you aspire to. So a lot of times we see this, okay, how do I, how do I become poor in spirit? How do I mourn more? Today we're going to talk about mourning. These aren't things you aspire to. These are things that you allow or you accept in your life. And we'll go into today's. Blessed are those that mourn. You don't aspire to mourn. You what? Accept it. You allow it. You understand that loss is a part of life. If you get mature, you start to understand that. And you get to the point where you can accept it. You just know that this is part of life. So it would really help, I think, if you, when we think of the Beatitudes in general, that you don't think of like, these are things I'm trying to become. Uh, one guy wrote about how he went at a church and he, was, he would go and teach on the Beatitudes. And this mother came up after service and said, um, I want to tell you why my son left the faith because of the Beatitudes. Because he thought if my goal in life is to be poor in spirit and to mourn, and he's like, I, I really don't, that's just not much for me to aspire to. So don't think of these as things to aspire to. Think of them as conditions to accept or allow in your life. And if you haven't lived a lot of life, especially the one we're going to talk about today, blessed are those that mourn, this is not going to resonate with you if you haven't lived a lot of life. But if you've lived a, enough life, you realize that loss is a part of life. Loss, um, brokenness, pain, suffering, this just comes with life. Life is, as I often say, life is beautiful, but life is also broken. And there's a phenomenon, and um, they've actually done research on this, and uh, they, they call it, I think they call it loss avoidance. And here's what they've done research on. Us humans, we, um, we get a lot less pleasure in, in gain versus the amount of pain we have in loss. So there's all kinds of research and documentation on this. In other words, if you go out of church here today and there's a, there's a $50 bill in the parking lot, you know what I mean? Um, well, I know you turn it into the church, but besides that, if you just picked it up and put it in your pocket and said, you, you would get a certain good feeling. Let's say it wasn't at church, it was down the street a ways, right? And, and you just saw it on the sidewalk, and you put, you put it in your pocket, you'd say, wow, this, you would have a certain positive feeling. Like, wow, 
look, look at this. I got 50 bucks. How many would feel good? Like, eh, free 50 bucks. Some of you who are very loaded didn't raise your hand. I want to talk to you afterwards. Uh, know what your number is. Uh, I'd feel good. Like, yeah. Now, here's what they say. But if you had $50 in your wallet and you go home at night or in your pocket and then your jacket, and some, you may ever do this, you put it in, you have all these nylon jackets and you're pulling stuff out and you pulled your chapstick out and then it went somewhere and where did it go? The amount of upside feeling they, they, researchers have done all kinds of work on this, is about half of what the downside emotion is. In other words, we hate to lose way more than we like to win. That's just what we know. So this is important. It fits into the psychology of us humans. We really like to avoid loss. Stay with me. We really like to avoid loss. Many of us order, direct, condition, structure our lives around this one single thing. I don't want to lose. It's Dutch when you're a kid. You don't like to lose a fight with your brother, right? You don't like to lose a toy. You don't like to lose at dodgeball, right? I don't like to lose at kickball on the playground. You get older. You don't like to lose relationships, we don't like to lose. Now, this is important. Because then what happens, the next phenomenon is this. We start to do things in our life, not because we're, we're open to the possibility of good. We just try to barricade ourselves from loss. I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose that relationship, so I'm not going to get into it. I don't want that relationship to hurt me, so I'm not even going to open my heart to it. I don't want this particular thing to happen, so I'm just going to close myself off from it. And we cocoon ourselves away from loss and pain and suffering. Jesus comes along as a teacher. Um, one of the things that you notice is Jesus is in the line of the prophets, but Jesus is also in the line of what you would call the wisdom teachers. The wisdom teachers. One, two, three, the wisdom teachers. There were several of these, and they taught, and, and, and they're recorded at different parts in, in uh, Hebrew Scripture. And they just had these, they're often these little pithy sayings, these short things that would make you think. They were, it was a different role from a prophet. It was a different, it would just get you thinking about life, and oftentimes getting you think about it in a different way. And what Jesus taught, you might call alternative wisdom. Let's say it together. Alternative wisdom. So conventional wisdom. Conventional wisdom is avoid loss, avoid pain, and avoid suffering. That gets you to a certain level. By the way, that's not bad. Conventional wisdom isn't bad. You don't go off and throw yourself into loss, pain, and suffering. Look here. So don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Conventional wisdom gets you to here. It gets you to first base. Conventional wisdom. Avoid loss. Avoid pain. Avoid suffering. Right? You do it on the playground. You do it in junior high. You do it. It's just part of life. You, don't, you do it when you're driving. Stay on the right side of the road where the cars aren't coming. Avoid. All right? That gets you so far. 
That's conventional wisdom. Jesus teaches alternative wisdom, which is another level, another dimension. It gets you rounding second base. And alternative wisdom says things like, things that make you go, huh? Blessed are those that mourn. We're trying to find the right word for blessed during this series. Um, you can use that word if that's good for you. I told you to pick your own translation. How many have done your homework here? Three of you. I got through to three of you. We'll start over. We had a, we had a little interlude with Dr. Anderson. and We'll come. All right. Blessed. Uh, other translations are happy. Blessed or happy. How many are like more traditionalists? The word blessed gets you going in the morning. All right. How many? I'll do happy. All right. How many like I'm making it my own? I only do it in the original Greek. Makarios. All right? Makarios. Makarios meant like the, 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 the pinnacle of satisfaction that was equivalent to the gods, they would say, in, in, in those days. They even named an island Makarios because they felt like this island had everything you needed for having, like self-contained. So if you need another word... You might say, instead of blessed or happy, you might say fortunate. Fortunate. Fortunate, ready, are those that mourn. Do you get why it's alternative wisdom? No one says that. Oh, look at this guy. He gets to mourn. Um, it's alternative. But, but, it, but it, it was the kind of teaching that would get you to turn your ear. What? What did he say? It's almost like he was saying, happy are the sad. And you'd be quick to throw him away, but you could sense in this teacher, he had a pulse on life. You could sense he knew something. That's why, that's why people would say, the, the common people would hear him gladly. It was like they said he spoke with authority. It was like he had a pulse on what was really going on. Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. Mourning. It had to do with losing someone that you loved. Mourning. Certainly right away we can grasp that this isn't just, oh, this guy's so fortunate because he gets to cry over a lost loved one. There's got to be something deeper. This uh, couple weeks ago, I did two funerals in one week. I just hugged a mom right over here who, unfortunately, I helped her bury her son just two weeks ago. Part of our family. Beautiful human. I'm so glad. I said, I'm so glad you're here today. I hope that this, this is some, something to connect. Mourning is a complicated thing. If you've ever lost someone that you love, it's so complicated. And it's not just by death. It's mourning through a broken relationship. It's mourning any kind of deep loss where you felt your heart connected and then you felt your heart rip as it was torn away from you. It's a very real thing. Several years, I'll, I'll give you an example. Several years ago, probably three years ago, um, I had to do a funeral on a Saturday and as it just turned out, like, like I said, two weeks ago, I did two in one week. It's the first time this has ever happened. But there was another person that needed me to do a funeral on the same day. 
I mean, right away, you just want to go, well, no, I can't do that. I just, I just can't physically do it. But it, it, was, it, it turned out one was in Waterford and one was just, just 10 minutes away from there. And so logistically, I, I, I figured, and, and you know, I, here's how I felt. Who am I to say no to this hurting family? Are you with me? Like, I don't want to say I, I, I could logistically work it out. Here's what I didn't realize. I wasn't going to be able to emotionally work it out. It's the first time it ever happened to me. I can tell you, I, it'll be people that I do funerals for that I've known for years and years and years as a part of the Orchard Grove family. I connect with them. I, I, feel, I, I, I honestly feel like I connect with them. I feel their hurt with them. There will be people that I don't know at all. And I feel like I can somehow still make a connection. I honestly do. I feel like I connect somehow. Years ago, there was an unfortunate loss um, you know, we've, we've had these terrible losses of young lives around here through uh, uh, drug addictions. And, and there was no one in the whole town of Wild Link that would do a funeral for this boy. They called church after church. Well, obviously, they didn't go to church. And so they called church after church after church. No one would do it. And then the funeral home called me, and I said, absolutely, we would do it. You know, they didn't have any money to pay. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't, no one had suits on. Kids came in wearing sweatpants and hats and... Even then, I, I felt like I could connect. But here's something that happened. Driving from one to the next, it was like everything was emptied out of me. And I felt so bad for the second family, like I had nothing to give. I don't know if they noticed it or not, but I did. I felt like the words were coming out, but the heart wasn't behind them. Why? Because mourning is a deeply intense and personal, real, real thing that happens in your soul. I worked it out logistically, but I realized that there was no way to work it out emotionally, spiritually. See, Chris, why is this important? Why is mourning, why would Jesus talk about it? Here's why. Every one of us experiences loss in life. Everyone. You just got to live long enough. And it doesn't have to be that long. You just probably have to be an adult. And you experience loss. And when you experience loss, you have a decision to make how to deal with the loss, how to handle it. People internalize it. People blame, um, people resent, people shut down. But the real, the real response to loss is to mourn. Everybody mourns differently. There's no right way, per se. There's not clean and clear steps. I always tell people there aren't really like steps to grief. They're more like waves. They just come. They feel like they're just going to knock you over or drag you down but then they subside. But you go through this and tears actually start to teach us something. It allows us to move on. It allows us to continue forward. So you don't stay stuck in anger and resentment, anxiety. Think about this. Um, 
I was, I was reading, there's a guy who does, he does um, male initiation rites. And he has a big thing that his belief is that, you know, a lot of societies have historically done initiation rites for men. So how do you know when you're a man? When does a boy know that he's a man? And most societies historically have done this, but our modern American society doesn't really do it. And so they said, he said, men have a hard time because they don't know how to be properly initiated as a man. Anyway, he says part of this thing that he takes people on a retreat and they do this together, they have a day of mourning or a day of grief. And he said, it's always the turning point in the retreat when they have this because here's why. He said, it's then that most of the men realize they're not angry, they're hurting. There are a lot of angry men in our society. And he said, they just haven't been allowed or taught to mourn, to grieve, to hurt, to let go. Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. Now I get that comfort could feel like a consul- like a really cheap consolation prize. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, you get comfort, that's it. No, no, it's, it's deeper than that. It's deeper. Comfort. What's the first thing, what's the first thing when your little one starts to cry? It's the first thing when Charlie starts to cry. I run, I just want to do this. I just, anybody? Just do this. And you want to say, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Why? Because you know something intuitively says, if this person's comforted, they're going to be okay. This is so important. Listen, this doesn't go away when you're an adult. So our society has told us that's for children, comforts for little kids, real men don't need comfort. So untrue. Every man, if they would lay their heart open, which most men don't, deep down they need to be comforted. They need to know that it's going to be okay. And this helps you, this is so huge, this practice helps you move from the beginning stages of life to a more mature stage in life. But if we don't do this, we find ourselves continually repeating the same things over and over and over again. Listen, we try to avoid loss because we don't want to mourn. But to mourn, you have to feel loss. To feel loss, you have to love. And to love, you have to risk. The alternative is to close yourself off. Several, um, uh, several years ago, many of you know, maybe some of you don't, I worked at a funeral home. And funeral home, when I was in Bible school, was like to get me through Bible college. And um, 
it was a really difficult thing to do, just to be honest with you. I needed the money. Um, most of the kids in the school had like fun jobs at, at the campus, you know, like working in the bookstore or the library or, you know, where all the girls came and went. And, you know, you'd find a job like that. And none of that was going to pay the bills. I just, I got to a point where I'm like, it's, my, my, my journey's going to stop right here. So I went there and they said, well, we have this job. It's at a funeral home and you get to live there for free. So it, it cuts your school bill in half right out the gate. And I knew this was my only chance. And so I said, okay. You don't say okay because anybody here looks like, oh, that'd be so fun to just dorm life at a funeral home. <laughs> Is anybody with me? It's not what anybody pictures. And I got to be honest with you, I didn't like it. It, it was, we had to go downstairs. Uh, we lived in the top. The main thing that you see, the pretty stuff that you see is on the main floor. In the basement is where the, they would bring the bodies and they do the embalming. And that's where they had a shower that worked. It was a shower with this, like a cement floor and a spigot just coming out of the side of the wall. Right? True story. And we had a, a pallet that we stood on so they weren't completely disgusting. Right? And we did to go down there and shower and then make our way back upstairs. Um, the first couple of times, I made, I made my buddy from New York, from Long Island, come down there and sit in the chair while I showered because there were dead bodies nearby and I just needed... Is anybody with me? Like, and, I said, and then I would sit there while he showered and just shiver, just shiver in the basement. Um, it's just not something you would look forward to. Because it's just something we want to avoid. This is true. We want to avoid the whole concept of loss. Our culture, listen, listen, listen. Our culture takes that to the nth degree. Ready? Because we can. You can't avoid it boy, can we get it out of our peripherals, right? I can get out of my sight lines. I'll get suffering and loss away from me as far as possible. Do you know they've also done a lot of research and they've realized, guess which society has the most psychological illnesses in the world? You're like, coincidence, coincidence. Believe what you want. Why is it that these third world countries, these people know how to handle suffering? They know how to handle adversity. I don't know what to do. I'm not telling you, you know, but I'm just telling you, Jesus tapped into something that was deep wisdom. What most people like to do in life is they like to build a bubble. And I want in my bubble, I don't want any suffering. I don't want any loss. I don't want any pain. I don't want to see any bad things. I just want to live in this bubble. Why? Why do people in impoverished nations have a healthier mental state? We have all this education. It needs to be probed. But maybe it cycles back to these wisdom teachers. Another wisdom teacher wrote 
in the book of Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes 7, verse 2, it says, Go to the house of mourning rather than the house of feasting. Hmm. So think back on your career. House of feasting, Joe's Bar and Grill, Rick's Pub. So, right, right? Let, I mean, am I correct? When you went to college, was it like, you know, let's go visit the funeral home and just see how people are handling things? No, I mean, avoid, 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 divert, divert. Go where there's laughter, go where there's party, go where there's celebration. Nothing wrong with that in and of itself. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm not being old school preachy. Do you understand the mentality? Avoid this. Avoid suffering. I used to go when I was in high school and sit with my uh, 90-some-year-old great-grandma, great-grandma Selders, and just listen to her tell stories. Now, I wasn't like the ideal grandson or whatever. I didn't do that all the time. I went to things just like everyone else did. But I still remember, I I never forget those times. But you know what, I, what we want to do? We want to push away. I don't want to go to a funeral home. I don't want to go to a nursing home. I, I didn't, more than anything in the world, I did not want to work at a funeral home. When people died in the middle of the night, I would get a phone call. I had to put a suit and a tie on and go and pick up these bodies. It's just something we would like to what? Avoid, avoid. Suffering can't be avoided in life. So what we need is great training in how to deal with it, to accept it, to grow from it. The great wisdom teachers talk about the things we can learn from our tears. I think I'm out of time, but let me just say one or two. Tears can teach us what really matters in life. Hmm? If you've ever really broke down, really lost a lot, shed a lot of tears, there's a lot of stuff that you never would shed another tear for again. You hear what I'm saying? This doesn't matter. Why was I so worked up about this? You know what I mean? You lost eight cents on a discount at coals. You know what I mean? And you lost your, you you blew your gasket. True? And you look back, you go, what? Because I didn't, I was never invested in real tears. It just helps us realize what matters. It helps you, as, as the saying goes, let go of the small stuff. And when you've mourned, you realize most of it's small stuff. Isn't it? If you've never really mourned, it doesn't become small yet. It's still really big to you. Anger, depression, anxiety, resentment, all these things have serious effects on our health. Serious effects. Stress, they know, is connected to all of these diseases, cardiovascular disease. Sir, if you think 
you're, I, I got heart disease and I just need more pills. I'm not against taking pills for heart problems, but listen, listen. If you think my anger is not part of the issue, my resentment's not part of it, you need to go for a walk and ask yourself some deeper questions. This society, with all of the mental health challenges and the medical challenges, has all the medicine human beings have ever known. There's a deeper state I think Jesus was trying to take us to. He says, go to the house of mourning rather than the house of pleasure because death is the destiny of every man. Whenever you say this, people go, oh, that's so depressing. Don't talk about it. This is how we deal, this is how we deal with it. Don't talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Just, you don't need to obsess about it. We need to be aware of it. We need to embrace it. We need to know that this is a part. Sticking your head in the sand is not the answer. Blessed are those. May I say it this way? Internally, deeply satisfied are those that go through the process of mourning and those who understand what loss really is. For they will be comforted. Last thing before I close. The other thing I've have a hard time at when I share at funerals I try to tell people just try to hold one of these nuggets in for a time when your heart's going to be totally ready to receive it here's what I mean sometimes the right at a funeral if you've ever gone through this experience it's so challenging it's challenging because there's so many arrangements that have to be made and there's family members and most people will go I, I don't know what to do I've never done this before and it's expensive and there's just all of this stuff and it's stressful. And then when the day actually comes, people are in shock. And I don't know if all the words even sink in. So I say, just try to hold something for the time, right? Because the scripture says, a word at the appropriate time does something. Some of you will think back to things that your mom said or your grandma said, but it's only, what, 10 years later. And you're like, ah. There it is. So if this word isn't for you right now, just tuck it in there somewhere. But think about Jesus. Blessed are those that mourn. There's something to be gained through our tears.